0: From South Carolina Public Radio, this is the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on June 30th, 2023 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. One thing that is definitely changing is that we have a programming note, folks. That's right. Listen up. Stop skipping through the important stuff at the top here. The Lead will be producing only one One Uno podcast each week over the next two dose weeks. Okay, folks? This is to accommodate some vacation time for not only Gavin, but AT as well. We thank you in advance for your understanding. Now this episode features about two weeks worth of South Carolina related news. So I hope you all are looking for a good catch-up episode because it's long. That's right, this episode features the latest on the state Supreme Court action involving the state's six-week abortion law. And we were on the ground at U.S. Marine Corps Recruit Depot, Paris Island, where Dr. Jill Biden spoke in recognition of the 50th anniversary of the all-volunteer force and during the ceremony for the latest 200 Marines to join the Corps. We have a slew of infrastructure news to report as a result of major federal investment programs. Governor Henry McMaster only axed a teeny tiny bit of the $13.8 billion budget passed by lawmakers. We tell you what he cut. And from the campaign trail, we hear from Senator Tim Scott and his Fox News town hall and former Governor Nikki Haley's policy speech on China. See, folks, I told you this episode is packed. AT is super mad at me. But I hope you're not mad at me. But if you are, you can call us at 803-563-7169. We will probably not air it if you're mad at me. (laughs) Maybe it's good. But uh, really, I don't want any criticisms too much for me to handle. But let us know what you're thinking about, what you guys are doing. Happy July 4th. We're gonna have a a lot going on. We'll be catching you guys up on what we're doing. We'd love hearing from you though. 803-563-7169. On June 27th, the state Supreme Court heard oral arguments in the Planned Parenthood South Atlantic v. State of South Carolina case involving the newly passed six-week abortion ban law that the governor signed into law on May 25th. That was then briefly implemented before temporarily being blocked in the state court the next day. Abortions remain legal in the state up to around 20 weeks, though lawyers representing the governor and lawmakers argued this week that tweaks adopted in the new six-week law would address issues raised by Associate Justice John Cannon Few, who joined Chief Justice Don Beatty and then Associate Justice Kay Hearn in January, who found that the previous six-week law to be in violation of the state's constitutional right to privacy. That was a long sentence. Why did I write it that long? (laughs) I love run-on sentences. Besides awarding in the new law, there has also been a change on the court, with Justice Hearn reaching the mandatory retirement age this year and being replaced by appeals court judge Gary Hill in February. The state became the first in the country not to have a woman on its high court something that hasn't happened here in some 35 years. I was returning from Virginia at the time of the hearing, but South Carolina Public Radio's Mayan Schechter was in the courtroom and spoke about the case on All Things Considered that day. Here's ATC host Juana Summers talking with Mayan.
1: It's been a year since the U.S. Supreme Court handed authority to states to decide their own restrictions around abortion. South Carolina is the latest state to consider a ban on the procedure at six weeks gestation. The Supreme Court in that state heard arguments today over whether this proposed ban can take effect. Current law there allows for abortions up to about 20 weeks. South Carolina public radio reporter Mayan Schechter was in the courtroom and joins me now. Welcome. Thanks so much. So just for starters, tell us about this case. So, the case was filed by South Carolina's two abortion
2: providers. One is Planned Parenthood, and the other is the Greenville Women's Clinic. That's a private practice that provides health care to women. And lawyers for those organizations uh, were in court today making arguments defending women's access to reproductive health care. And when we talk about this case in particular, it's also important to consider the geography of South Carolina. South Carolina has been in what many have described it to be an abortion island. Many of the surrounding states already have much more restrictive bans on the books, such as six and 12 weeks in place. And so many Republican lawmakers and state leaders here did not want the state to become what they consider to be an abortion destination. And that's one of the reasons why those leaders and lawmakers have been so
1: aggressively defending this case throughout the courts. And I understand that this is the second attempt at a six-week abortion ban in South Carolina. Why is the court debating this when they've already ruled Ruled a ban unconstitutional.
2: Right. Well, this is an entirely new court. A key justice who actually authored the lead opinion back in January, she retired recently and she was the only woman on the court. In South Carolina, the mandatory retirement age for judges is 72. And this particular justice, Kay Hearn, she turned 72 and therefore had to retire. And since then, she's really publicly defended her decision to strike down the law. In one instance recently, she was quoted as saying, six weeks is a joke. But now that she's gone, the court is actually all male because lawmakers elected her successor, Gary Hill, and therefore the court is now all men. And the legislature thought they'd have better luck now. So they decided to tweak the ban that was previously rejected and try again with a brand new audience.
1: What were the arguments you heard today in court?
2: Sure. So the lawyers representing the abortion providers, they argued that nothing really has changed since the last attempt at a six week ban, and they consider this ban to still be unconstitutional. A lawyer for Planned Parenthood made the point today that for most people, it's very unlikely they'll know that they're pregnant this early, saying people, quote, are not sitting around taking pregnancy tests every single day. The lawyers on the other side, uh, that would be for the state and the Republican leaders, they argued that they've made what they consider significant changes to this bill. For example, they removed language about women being able to make a, quote, informed choice, and that was in response to concerns from one justice who was considered the swing vote. He had previously raised questions about the time women have to know that they're pregnant and also how much time they have to make a decision. And he actually made some ambiguous statements during today's hearing, forecasting maybe a possible change of heart, saying, quote, I promise you, I'm not changing my analysis, but that does not mean the outcome is the same. And briefly tell us what is next for this law? So it's a bit unclear when the Supreme Court is going to hand down the decision. It could be days or weeks before we have a ruling from the Supreme Court. But for now, it's currently still legal to get an abortion in South Carolina until about 20 weeks. Advocates here have really been hammering that message, particularly on social media. Uh, There is some irony in that there are actually only three clinics in the state that offer abortions, and often they have Mm -hmm. serious backlogs. So despite the law, access here is already limited.
1: Mayan Schecter of South Carolina Public Radio. Thank you, thank you.
0: Look at that, Mayan just get in on the spot here and then just jumping on ATC like that. So proud of her. Moving on, First Lady Dr. Jill Biden was at U.S. Marine Recruit Depot, Paris Island, in Beaufort on Friday to give the keynote address at the graduation ceremony for the latest 200 Marines to join the Corps. Biden's visit coincided with the 50th anniversary of the nation's all volunteer force and as part of the First Lady's Joining Forces initiative.
3: One of sacrifice and selflessness, one of pride and patriotism. Thank you. And I hope that you're proud because we are your instructors, your families, and your commander in chief. The choice to be part of this community will shape you in so many ways will forge and form the path of your life, as well as the life of your families. And that choice is the foundation of our national security, the heart of our strength in times of war and peace.
0: In January 1973, then-Secretary of Defense Melvin R. Laird announced the U.S. military would fill its ranks exclusively with volunteers rather than draftees. Since the end of military conscription, more than 11 million have joined active duty service over the years. Today, more than 1.5 million men and women serve in uniform across the U.S. Armed Forces, according to the White House.
3: For 50 years, Americans like you have chosen this path. Our all-volunteer force of the brave and the bold, just 1% of our country, take up the mantle of keeping all of us safe. As my husband says, it is our sacred obligation to ensure that military service is an opportunity of dignity and honor, of pride and accomplishment, not just for our service members, but for those they love, the families who answer the call of duty as well.
0: For 12 weeks, Paris Island is home for Marine recruits east of the Mississippi. Let's just say if you want to join the Marines, sign up in the fall so you don't have to spend three months in the summer heat. You know, unless you want that. I can tell you I was out there. It's hot. Now, it was something just spending the morning out there watching the new Marines file past the reviewing stand filled with dignitaries and hundreds of family members and friends who, after the ceremony, rushed onto the parade grounds to greet their loved ones. Biden most recently visited Marines at Marine Corps Air Station Yamaguchi, Japan, in May and a military family clinic near Camp Pendleton in San Diego. Earlier in June, the First Lady and President Joe Biden visited Fort Liberty, which is formerly Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, to meet with families and announce a new executive order to support military and veteran spouses, caregivers and survivors, and increase economic opportunities for military-connected families. Moving on, on June 20th, Governor Henry McMaster issued his $1.5 million in vetoes for the $13.8 billion budget. The budget includes a record number of 283 of Governor McMaster's executive budget proposals totaling $3.3 billion. Now, of the 11 vetoes issued by McMaster, several were for duplicate items that were already funded in the budget. Some other items that were vetoed by the governor included funding for nonprofit programs that he said were not good use of public dollars. This is the lowest amount of vetoes issued by McMaster, and he said it highlights the successful collaborative approach that he and his staff utilized in crafting this budget in partnership with the General Assembly.
4: Most of what what would have been uh, vetoes were taken out of the budget because in the leadership, we had conferences in the office. In my office, we went over and spoke to Chairman of Ways and Means Bannister and uh, Chairman Peeler, and we went through all those things uh, weeks weeks ago. So for that reason, it wasn't necessary to have a whole lot of vetoes.
0: For example, last year, McMaster issued 73 vetoes, totaling $53 million. And in 2021, he issued 150 million in budget vetoes. So 11, again, teeny tiny, it's official word right there. Again, that collaborative nature helped McMaster get a lot of his initiatives passed in this budget, including an income tax credit, teacher and law enforcement pay raises, school safety initiatives, a college tuition freeze, and a transformative investment in preserving our state's environmental and cultural heritage. This is from his office. McMaster said despite culling some earmarks behind the scenes and still vetoing others that there should be a more transparent system in place for the pet projects that lawmakers secure funding for.
4: I'm confident that we had the ind- information indicating uh, the, the worthwhile nature of them. Now, could it have been done in a better way? Uh, is there, and I've described that, that there is a better way, I, I think, to do it, and that's to have public input as well, to have uh, availability for the people to see exactly what is being proposed, who, the, who is proposing it and the reason for it and determine if they want to spend that money. Because all this tax money, this is tax money. Um, we don't want to be overwhelmed and have government only by earmarks. But the best way to to control that and see that the, what money we have goes to the right place is to have input from the citizens so they can see where other money is going and what's not coming to them and what they need and you, you entered into it to a I think a more balanced situation where you don't have as, as many earmarks, but those that you have are very good.
0: Now let's go from state dollars to federal dollars. That's right, a lot is flowing to the state for infrastructure and broadband projects under funding approved by Congress in the bipartisan infrastructure law and the Inflation Reduction Act. You know this this podcast is also basically an infrastructure podcast. If you've listened long enough, we always talk about infrastructure. So let's walk through the latest. The National Telecommunications and Information Administration announced $551.5 million from the Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program to help close the broadband gap in the state. Congressman James Clyburn said in a statement, I'm pleased with this bead funding. South Carolina will now have the means to bring high-speed Internet access to every household across the state. Quote, The State Broadband Office estimated in 2021 that it needed $650 million to bring high-speed broadband to every underserved household in the state. The state received $400 million from the American Rescue Plan, roughly $100 million from the Federal Communication Commission's Rural Digital Opportunity Fund, and has dedicated $50 million in state match funds. So that's $550 million right there. Now the state is receiving another $550 million in the form of this BEAD funding, which means the state will remain on track to achieve 100% affordable connectivity by 2026. Congressman Clyburn noted in his press release that he was the only member of the South Carolina House delegation to vote in favor of the bill. But just because you didn't vote for federal funding or actively voiced your opposition to it doesn't mean you can't show love for the projects that come home. First, Congressional District Republican Representative Nancy Mace last April called the bipartisan infrastructure law a fiasco, absurd, and even the program that is sending the money to the state an example of socialism. But here is Mace this week talking about the nearly $26 million in Federal Transit Administration funding that the Charleston Area Regional Transportation Authority will receive to build Carter's Shipwatch Square Transit and Workforce Center.
1: I mean, we're talking about, you know, very, a very small percentage of that bill actually going to projects like this. So, uh, number one, and the optics of it, what do you want me to do, turn my back on the low country when we can get funding for, for public transit? Absolutely not. When someone calls our office, we are going to assist you.
0: U.S. Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who was in town to discuss funding for another project, which we'll get to in a moment, had this to say when he was in Orangeburg about Congresswoman Mays. Listen as the wheels turn.
5: I would say, um, welcome aboard. (laughs) Look, this is good policy. Uh, And uh, it's true that not every member of Congress was there with us when we were working to get this done. And uh, it turns out that is no barrier to them being glad to see that funding come to their districts. I think because this was good policy all along. And look, partisan politics get in the way sometimes. Although we're proud of the fact that this is a bipartisan bill, uh, that that a number of Republicans were willing to come across and work with Democrats and work with the president to get this done. Um, But uh, look, a good project is a good project. And we're not going to hold it against uh, uh, the the constituents of any member who was short-sighted enough to vote no on the infrastructure or the broadband or the clean water pipes that they are now so quick to join us in celebrating.
0: Funding through the FTA Low No Emission Grant Program will allow CARTA to replace and rehabilitate electric bus charging infrastructure needed to make Shipwatch Square a super stop charging station. That's a lot of S's right there. This additional funding will result in approximately 1,700 low or zero emission buses. Congressman Clyburn was again the only member of the South Carolina House delegation to support that legislation. And like we said, he had Pete Buttigieg in town on the 28th to award $22.7 million dollars for the Railroad Corner Redevelopment Project in Orangeburg. These federal dollars will go toward the construction of a pedestrian bridge over two highways and railroad tracks and a multimodal transit hub, including a new public transit stop, charging infrastructure for electric vehicles and bicycles, and a public parking structure. Here's Clyburn tying everything together when it comes to infrastructure.
6: On yesterday, uh, Secretary Grandma was here. Uh, We were in Columbia together Uh, And at the time, we were talking about the EV charging stations uh, that we could be building away from uh, the interstate highways. uh, And I think three big battery plants that are here, one of those in Collington County. And I think Allendale is getting one of those, right? So that connects Allendale and Collington County to this project because you're going to have charging stations here at this facility. The interconnectedness of all of this, I think, is very, very important. Now, th- at the same time that we were together, they are, they're announcing $551 million for broadband in South Carolina. Now, let me take a minute just to say something to you. The governor announced several months ago that we needed $650 million to build South Carolina out 100%. I stood with him at that announcement. I called him day before yesterday when I got word that the $551 million was coming. In that $650 million, he only had $100 million coming from uh, our uh, broadband initiative what we call the FCC auctions where he factored in 100 million he's getting 551 million so this 451 million above the 650 million he needed to do that which was basic which means we're going to go beyond basic uh, with broadband for South Carolina and that was announced on yesterday
0: The Investing in America Roadshow also featured, like you heard mentioned by Clyburn, Department of Energy Secretary Granholm, who was with him the day before in Congressman Joe Wilson's 2nd Congressional District, touring the ABB facility in West Columbia, a plant that earlier this year began manufacturing electric vehicle chargers. The two also participated in a town hall at Brooklyn Baptist Church. The Department of Energy says South Carolina currently has over 1,000 public EV charging ports and will also receive almost $15 million in federal funding to help build out more charging stations. In 2022, there are 18,100 registered EVs, a 50% increase from the year before. Secretary Granholm's tour was part of the Biden-Harris administration's broader three-week Investing in America tour, where President Biden, Vice President Harris, and leaders across the administration highlight investments and projects growing the economy from the bottom up. And speaking of Washington, this is the transition. You see how this is working? I'm smart like that. Up in Washington, that's right, freshman Congressman Russell Fry of the 7th Congressional District was one of several members of the powerful House Oversight Committee who questioned Special Counsel John Durham on June 21st regarding the 306-page report on the FBI's investigation into collusion between Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign and Russia. The four-year investigation report released in May concluded that the FBI should have launched a preliminary investigation, not a full one as it did. Here's part of Congressman Fry's allotted five minutes asking Durham questions.
7: The FBI opened up Crossfire Hurricane without speaking to the people who provided the initial information. Is that true? That's correct. The FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane on a Sunday, only three days after reviewing that information. Is that correct? That's correct. So just think about that for a moment. An investigation, a full investigation into a presidential campaign over a weekend. Mr. Durham, the FBI opened Crossfire Hurricane without interviewing any of the essential witnesses. Is that true? That's true. And the FBI also opened up Crossfire Hurricane without using any of the standard analytical tools typically employed to evaluate that evidence. Is that true? That's true. So think about that. The FBI never talked to the people who gave them the intelligence information. They never examined their own witnesses. They never interviewed the witnesses. They never corroborated the dossier. Mr. Durham, if the FBI had done these things, if they had done their homework, would it have found that its own Russian experts had no information about President Trump being involved with Russian leadership or Russian intelligence officials? Yes. So then, was there adequate predication for the FBI to open crossfire hurricane as a full investigation. On
5: July 31st, in my view, based on our investigation, there was not a legitimate basis to open as a full um, investigation. Um, An assessment is something that had to be looked at, gather information, such as interviewing the people who provided um, the uh, Papadopoulos information, checking their own databases, the databases of other intelligence agencies, and the standard kinds of things that you would do in an investigation
0: like this. The Durham report included interviewing 481 witnesses, reviewing six million pages of documents, the issuing of 190 subpoenas, and seven search warrants that were executed at a cost of $6.5 million. Democrats said the extensive investigation uncovered no wrongdoing that Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz had not brought to light during his 2019 investigation of the Trump-Russia probe, this according to Politico. You know what you want to do now? All this talk about D.C. Let's get on the campaign, trail <laughs> With a focus on our homegrown candidates. Republican presidential candidate Tim Scott participated in a Fox News town hall moderated by Sean Hannity in Myrtle Beach on June 20th. There, the junior senator and only black Republican in the U.S. Senate spoke about race and received a warm reception from the crowd of several hundred and, of course, some easy questions from Hannity, teeing Scott up to swing away at Democrats.
8: We have to persuade people to join our team. Here's what I can tell you. I've done the surveys, I've run around the country. African-Americans, around 81%, want the same level of policing or more policing, not less. That's a lie from the radical left. We have to understand that most of America wants the same thing. How many of y'all in here believe in law and order? How many of y'all? are thanking God Almighty and willing to stand with me and back the blue. This is common sense. You see, when I wrote a bill to help refund the police because the crazy left defunded the police, they called me a token. Because they are opposed to helping the very people they say they care about the most. How many of y'all believe that we should secure our southern border today? Today. Not tomorrow, but today.
0: Scott continued to discuss the southern border, something that many South Carolinians say is a top priority for them, according to polling, and has been a backdrop for several of his fellow Republican White House contenders who have made trips to the border, including former Governor Nikki Haley and most recently Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Energy independence was also a big part of his town hall discussion. One question from an audience member was what Scott's first executive order would be if he became president. Take a listen.
8: My first executive order would be to restart the XL Keystone pipeline. My rationale is that energy security is national security. We can do it our own and we should do it on our own. The second thing I would do is honestly secure our border. For less than, for less than $15 billion, $10 billion, we could finish a, a wall. And for $5 billion, we could use the surveillance technology that is currently available to detect fentanyl so we can save American lives. Starting
4: ASAP.
0: And Scott just released a new radio ad titled Sanctity of Life. His campaign said the ad will air on Christian Radio in Iowa as part of a six-figure radio ad campaign airing in the Hawkeye State this summer. Scott continues to blitz the airwaves up in Iowa. On June 27th, former United Nations Ambassador Nikki Haley gave a hard-hitting policy speech aimed at the growing threat of China and even said her former boss, former President Donald Trump, is partly to blame for it, with the Chinese military growing stronger under his presidency.
9: But Trump did too little about the rest of the Chinese threat. He did not put us on a stronger military foothold in Asia. He did not stop the flow of American technology and investment into the Chinese military. He did not effectively rally our allies against the Chinese threat. Even the trade deal he signed came up short when China predictably failed to live up to its commitments. He also showed moral weakness. In his zeal to befriend President Xi, Trump congratulated the Communist Party on its 70th anniversary of conquering China. That sent a wrong message to the world. Chinese communism must be condemned, never congratulated.
0: This is Haley again showing another foreign policy position she differs with Trump on. She's clashed with him on his views of the Ukraine war, Russia, and now is calling him weak on China. Though she also had tough words for President Joe Biden, who she said has only made the situation with the communist country worse. She has frequently brought up the Chinese spy balloon that traversed the country this spring and was shot down off the South Carolina coast and often says American universities should lose federal funding if they take Chinese money. Haley said Biden has not done any better in dealing with China, including the recent visit by Secretary of State Antony Blinken, who recently visited Beijing. Following two days of meetings with top government officials and President Xi Jinping, Blinken said progress was made towards stabilizing the relationship between the two superpowers, which has been frosty thanks to the spy balloon situation, Taiwan relations, the flow of Chinese fentanyl to the United States, and military provocations in the South China Sea and Taiwan Strait, just to name a few. Now, Haley is a strong supporter of Taiwan and frequently equates the success of the Ukraine war against Russia with the security of Taiwan from a Chinese invasion. She also laid out how she would deal with China as president.
9: My top priority will be strengthening America's economy and America's military. We will protect America's prosperity and homeland from Chinese aggression. We will tackle Chinese meddling in our society and its manipulation of our economy And we will hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable while putting it on the global defensive.
0: And former President Donald Trump returns to the state on July 1st, where he will rally for the first time since his visit in January when he announced his state leadership team and spoke before hundreds of supporters in the State House. On Saturday, he will speak at the Pickens Independence Day Parade and will be preceded by elected officials who have endorsed him, including Governor McMaster, Senator Lindsey Graham, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evitt. Congressman Russell Fry and William Timmons, as well as State Treasurer Curtis Loftus. We'll be there and we'll have more for you on Wednesday's episode. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We're glad you're here. <laughs> I'm, like, really trying to be happy here. Yeah. Am I doing a good job, A.T. Shire, producer of the lead?
10: Oh, he nails the intro, <laughs> sticks the landing, uh, ooh, lands the plane.
0: So good. It's like Carrie Strug with my little twisted ankle. Exactly. Or was it broken? God, what an iconic moment of the 90s that these kids have no idea. I mean, my God. Kids these days. Can you, you believe Shire? them? Where's the heart? These Zoomers. Mm. They can only read about it in books. Just like I was watching the uh, last dance about Michael Jordan. It just mm-hmm. It all came back. I was like, "Oh my God, the '90s were so
10: insane." So, Gavin, I'm gonna just I'm gonna to get us back jealous. on track. Okay, here, okay? okay. Dribble and, the ball back uh, inbounds. And Gavin spoke so much just now, and I'm so proud <laughs> I've of him. Been talking for so. Long. But uh, we aren't gonna. We have some voicemails, and we're gonna. We're not gonna air them this time. We're doing a zero dip. Okay. Yeah. So it was a uh, long episode. We have them. I'm gonna have them next week. Thank They're you safe. for calling. They're in a safe place. I have them in the vault, and the vault is it's got 24/7
0: garbage, <laughs> Okay. It's like a um a very nicely decorated bathroom
10: when gavin and i <laughs> want to go into the vault we have to look at each other go three two
0: <laughs> well, one turn and-, <laughs> and i
10: always do it right before yes, you do it right exactly. after and it's always super awkward so gavin you have been running all around yes. the, the east coast yes. i would say uh, i'm glad I'm you're so home very coastal. strange uh and as he mentioned at the top we are going to have a weird schedule for the next few yeah, weeks it's july folks uh, everyone's gone um <laughs> i will be in maine it's second gonna, week of July. The second week of July I'll be in Maine and you will
0: hear me in Maine. We're going to hear that Maine Cabin Masters background. <laughs> oh my god, I was home with my mom for a little bit which just the woman loves like the Magnolia Network, yeah. HGTV and we always ended up watching Maine Cabin Masters. You ever watch that show? I have not. Super fascinating because there's just small little things on these little plots like right on lakes, you know, that are all over Maine. Mhm. But they're always just like little dumps. But I get it because it's just a little thing you go up to. You get a shack. Yeah. Yeah, that's what my family has.
10: I mean, it's been added to over the years. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, I can show you a picture when I'm up there. I'll I'll hold the. Undisclosed location. Yeah, it is. I'll tell you where it is. Um, (laughs) It is. If you know that Maine goes to that point out on the east, like in the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. It's directly under that point. That's the lead
0: backup site.
10: Jonesport, Maine. I'll let you, I'm not even going to bleep that. I'll it's let kinda, you guys know. It's kind of scary you're
0: going to say Jonestown. They
10: need more people to go. Yeah, Peace. there's a lot of Kool-Aid, okay? Uh, no, really good lobster rolls. Oh, nice. That's exciting to go up there. It's nice not exciting. Okay, maybe it's not. It sounds peaceful I've already. Been, it's too peaceful for me. Okay? I know.
0: This man hates not talking and hates <laughs> sitting still. <laughs> yes,
10: and so uh, <laughs> the fact that I, I have to go there, I mean, I'm going to be there for six days. I'm shooting nine lobster rolls in golf? that time there's there's rare golf but where there is golf there's golf there's also tons of bugs <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like when i was just down on paris island oh my god you're it's inhaling so them. I'm they, like
10: they go in and out of your body you're and filter seems... feeding oh, bugs god. it's disgusting that sounds wonderful and so gavin i i do like to point out that he is driving everywhere covering all this stuff for you animals that listen here <laughs> but um Gav- a couple days. Gavin is really living his life a quarter mile at a time. Oh my god! Literally know,
0: on I twenty six and I ninety five. He says, "Oh, someone's
10: coming in. I have to get it for my family." Okay, so he goes, <laughs> "You know, there. family." He's really embodying the ethos of Fast and Furious, <laughs> which I did watch the new one. Gavin, hard cliffhanger at the end i gotta say hard cliffhanger because it's a two-part it's a two-parter but jason momoa is great momoa is great in it
0: i love momoa good i was supposed to go see asteroid city i haven't i want to go see it i've been reading some mixed reviews but you know it's west i'm over i'm over west i'm over it i'm over it it's too much aesthetic yeah, it's, it's, too it's much such a thing now. But I will say, I saw French Dispatch in theaters, and it's just wild to see that aesthetic yeah. on the big screen. I love
10: going to movies. It's overwhelming. I love going I to movies. I don't care about going to movies.
0: I know you wouldn't, but when I, I was, enjoy it. When I was up at the mall, we were, when I was back home with Mom, we actually have a decent mall in A real mall. Yeah, it's a really good. It has a lot of stores. She was looking for just a black sweater. And of course, we didn't find it. only place we found something was at... H and M, no Talbots, <laughs> no Ann Taylor, no Macy's. H and M had it. So I love this first. World it was problem. it was it was a journey, and I was there to. It support was at, my mother. It was at Journeys. But as we were dining at the Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> oh, oh, god! <laughs> we were talking about how no one goes to the movies. I just don't want to deal with the people, which is funny because there was no one in the Cheesecake Factory at the time. That's that rings true. And then they sat a table of six, right next to us. Gross. Because they didn't want to sit in the booth. And I'm like, there are it's like going on the beach and someone, maybe you're experiencing this right now, and someone is just sitting right in front of you. Yes. Or right next to you and being very loud. If that's the case, don't gripe. Call us 803-563-769. <laughs> Express your frustrations to us. We will internalize them <laughs> and provide them to everyone else.
10: Uh, before we go, I'll give before I'm really gonna, quick. I'm gonna say one story it was the funniest. Cheesecake Factory? No. <laughs> Movie theater for to drink ever, for, okay. ne- and for <laughs> to drink. Uh, so I when we went to see Black Panther, it was me and Kellen, uh, my Caitlin's business partner in Craft and Draft, mm-hmm. and it was in the recliner
0: chairs, oh, okay, dicey
10: and uh. We are in it. We're in our seats, and then this guy comes, sits directly next to me, Ooh, and he has so he's got like three drinks, he's got popcorn, he's Living. got candy, oh. and he he literally goes, <laughs> 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 and he gets in, he presses the button, G gets in position, and then two minutes into the movie, falls dead asleep, <laughs> and then he woke up in the last ten minutes Stop of the movie, it. and he goes, no, 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 no. I was like, dude, if I knew you better, I would have woken you up. I'm really sorry. It's so, not.
0: It's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> it's literally like that. So oh,
10: uh, I mean, if I had all the fixins, he I, felt he, it, it was the sugar all, rush. It was all he had a Slurpee. He had a soda. He had a water. Like a hundred dollars worth of. He of was goods. ready to see this movie and he fell asleep. No no, so, no, 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 no. It was so funny. It was better than the movie. Even though that movie was good, I was a good yeah. movie. I'm, I'm not. I'm not dumping on that. Anyway, please call. Yeah, we need it. we you're going to the movies? On vacation you on the beach let Wh- us know where do you go in maine uh, <laughs> tell you- me anything <laughs> to do that isn't four hours away from where i'm gonna be thank you
0: <laughs> you can do that by calling 803-563-7169 we love hearing from you guys and you can also show us your appreciation by leaving us a review on apple podcasts and you can stay up to date with the latest news on sctv.org and south and don't forget to support your local newspapers for the south carolina lead i'm gavin jackson you will south carolina Oh my
6: god.
0: Now <laughs> get more on mic please.
6: Oh yeah.
10: Oh you gotta see this. You gotta see this
6: folks.
10: <laughs> I love chips. <laughs> no. <laughs> Doctors hate this guy.
0: <laughs> Follow my seven easy chips.
10: <laughs> oh disgusting.